Hello, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message to those that are hungry and thirsty for reality, for ultimate meaning and destiny in their lives. The message that I share here is the meaning for all that exists, the reason why all things consist and exist. And so I want to share that message briefly by referring you to a website I have at ultimatemeaning.com with very original writing by the gifting of the Spirit of God through me, which has highlighted in red print links to many videos that are very profound and amazing uh, from many fields of science and archaeology, confirming the reality of everything that I am sharing. And what am I sharing about? I am sharing about the one true eternal God who is the ultimate perfection and manifestation of love. A love that always chooses the highest lasting good over any lesser choice because any lesser choice as such would have a measure of corruption in it. This love has such purity and integrity that it is a blazing fire of judgment against all that is contrary to love. This is the defensive aspect of the love of God. It is the holiness of God. And from this foundation, which is represented in the negative symbol, a symbol of cutting off all corruption, a symbol of an indestructible foundation, springs forth the symbol of the cross or the ultimate positive, as you find it in nature and such things as electricity and math. And that is that this love is so great that God always has, from the infinite past, had the quality in his being to become a perfect, atoning, substitutionary sacrifice for those creatures that he has made that have the capacity to love by being created with their own free will. And so, God... Yes, he's great enough to communicate with his creation, to come down into this little speck of a planet, like a speck of dust in the midst of all the grains of sand and dust upon the earth, and communicate with his creation. He humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens. He visited Abraham in Genesis 18. Abraham is before his tent door in the heat of the day and he looks up and there's three men standing before him. He obviously realized they were not ordinary men. He makes a wonderful meal for them and they all eat. And he addresses one of them, the leader, as Yahweh, the most sacred name for the one true eternal God in the Old Testament. Meaning the ultimate reality, the I am that I am, Yes, God is great enough to communicate with his creation. And not only that, his love is so great that he humbled himself more than you, a mere creature, and suffered more than you, a mere creature, so that you could choose to repent and be reconciled to God. And so this message is for those that have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They have received God, who is the ultimate perfection and manifestation of love the one true eternal God. There is no love that can be imagined that is greater than this love or that could exist that is greater. 
Only this love is the ultimate trustworthiness that would be worthy to contain unlimited life and power without being corrupted by it or using it in a corrupt way, and thus is indicative that he is the very source of unlimited authority, life, and power. Yes, only this love could be who God is. Not only that, he is in three personages because he must be in personages in the three ultimate aspects of existence, which is beyond creation, beyond time and space, as God the Father expressed fully as God into creation, as God the Son, that's the second aspect, and the third in omnipresence, filling all dimensions of time and creation and beyond with God the Father. You have to be in three personages to rule in those three ultimate aspects of existence beyond creation, in creation, and filling all creation as the Holy Spirit and omnipresence. Only this can be the one true eternal God. And I want to share with those that have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ the good news. In this crucial hour, and so what I do is I seek to speak as the oracles of God because it commands us in 1 Peter 4.11. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. It also is further explained in Revelations 19.10 where we read, Worship God for the testimony of God is the spirit of prophecy. It is out of worshiping God in spirit and in truth with great reverence and humility and love for God that we are filled with his spirit in an overflow beyond ourselves that results in creative utterances that are coming from the spirit of God. So I will seek to speak out of a heart set in a mindset of worship that I may speak as the oracles of God, in other words, prophesy or speak, seek to speak prophetically. I want to share with you also that I cast lots to receive two possible chapters from the Word of God in order to discover from those two chapters the theme. And so I use two independent random applications to find those chapters. And then I meditate on them for a half an hour and I preach. And that's what's going to happen today. I have meditated on them for a little under a half an hour and also chosen a hymn to go by the casting of Lot with this message, which I don't even know myself as well, as it comes by the casting of Lot out of a hymn book of 1,080 hymns from throughout church history and from the underground church in China that was persecuted under the work of Watchman Nee and others who was martyred in 1972. So first of all, let us sing this worship song together.
Wonderful song of worship of God's tremendous love towards us. Yes, indeed, God is good. His goodness is unsearchable. So I want to share with you the two chapters I received today on June the 23rd of Saturday, 2022. I received Psalms 104 and Matthew 20. And there is a broad theme between these two chapters, which is basically that all goodness comes from God and therefore that we should be thankful for all goodness, even if we receive far less than others. And also that we should be wholehearted in our worship of God for his goodness. And the song that we just heard shows a love that God has for us, mere, his mere creation. It is beyond our comprehension. Talk about the goodness of God. That he would taste death for us so that we could experience the enjoyment of fellowship with him. This is uncomprehensible. I won't go into how great this love is except to say that I'm writing a book on the evidence of life after death. And I have many accounts of genuine Christians that have been highly verified as dead and that have gone to heaven. And they say that everything in heaven issues out of this love. The light, the beautiful colors that don't even exist in this world. The intelligence, everything has intelligence and communicates, even the flowers. The trees, they communicate with you telepathically and so on. They sing. Everything is emanating out of this love that is the brightness behind everything that is from God, the one true eternal God. And he communicates personally with all those in heaven through his son, Jesus Christ. Who can be in many places all at the same time communicating with people? There are many planes and dimensions of time. This dimension, this physical dimension, is really... Hell, one person compared it as like 2D compared to 3D. The difference is that great. In this other dimension, where you have your ultra-real permanent body that can experience the solid reality of everything that's physical. You can feel your feet hitting the ground, running on it. You can eat fruit and feel the juice going down your cheeks and entering your inner being and filling you with energy and beautiful perfumes that cause you to worship God. Yes, it's all the goodness of God in heaven. It's so great that it's truly what it says in the word of God. I has not seen or heard, heard. Neither has that entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those that love him. Now I want to start to read, first of all, from Psalm 104. So we turn to Psalm 104 here. Bless the Lord, O my soul. In the original, that's Yahweh. O Yahweh, my Almighty's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'm just reading literally what the original says there. Of course, it doesn't say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but it says the Almighty's. 
Thou art very great, thou art clothed with honor and majesty, who coverest thyself with light as with a garment, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, who layeth the beams of his chambers in the waters, who maketh the clouds his chariot, who walketh upon the wings of the wind, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers of flaming fire, who laid the foundations of the earth, that it should not be removed forever. Thou covers it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. That's referring to the worldwide flood, which is highly verified by scientific evidence, by hydrologists and so on. At thy rebuke they fled. At the voice of thy thunder they hasted away. They go up by the mountains. They go down by the valleys unto the place which thou hast founded for them. Thou hast set a bound that they may not pass over, that they turn not again to cover the earth, again referring to the worldwide flood. He sendeth the springs into the valleys which run among the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field that wild asses quench their thirst. By them shall the fowls of heaven have their habitation, which sing among the branches. He watereth the hills. From his chambers the earth is satisfied with the fruit of thy works. He causeth the grass to grow for the cattle and the herb for the service of man, that he may bring forth food out of the earth, and wine that maketh glad the heart of man, and oil to make his face to shine, and bread which strengtheneth man's heart. Trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon, which he hath planted, where the birds make their nests. As for the stork, the fir trees are her house. The high hills are a refuge for the wild goats and the rocks for the conies. He appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knoweth his going down. Thou makest darkness, and it is night, wherein all the beasts of the forest do creep forth. And it goes on. Let me just skip a bit. O Lord, how manifold are thy works, and wisdom hast thou made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. So is this great and wide sea, wherein are things creeping innumerable, both small and great. Skipping down again. Thou hidest thy face, they are troubled. Thou takest away their breath, they die and return to their dust. Ascendest forth thy spirit, they are created, thou renewest the face of the earth. The glory of the Lord shall endure forever. The Lord shall rejoice in his works. He looketh on the earth, and it trembleth, he toucheth the hills, and they smoke. I will sing unto Yahweh as long as I live. I will sing praise to my Almighty's while I have my being. My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in Yahweh. Let the sinners be consumed out of the earth, and let the wicked be no more. Bless thou, Yahweh. O my soul, praise ye, Yahweh. Yes. So I read a whole psalm, but almost all of it. But it displays the goodness of God even in this very inferior dimension compared to dimensions 4 to 10 that particle physics has discovered. But we see God's goodness. And what do we see in Matthew chapter 20, which I received? Well, let's go to Matthew chapter 20. 
and begin reading in Matthew chapter 20 if we can get there. Sometimes things skip around with these electronics. Here we go. For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. Again he went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go, ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall I ye receive. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers, and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came, that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst thou not agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is, and go thy way, I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil, because I am good? <laughs> so the last shall be first, and the first last for many be called, but few are chosen. Now this really speaks of the heart of God, of his goodness that he would give to ones that just worked one hour the same as that those that bore the burden and the heat of the day. In the natural, it's natural to see the inequity, supposed inequity of this. But it's not really that. It is that God is good. And that is why we should be always worshiping God. If someone, and we are that person that bore the heat and the labor of the day, and he gives us what is good, shouldn't we be rejoicing for those that he even shows greater love and grace for? It says the last shall be first. And it says the harlots and the publicans go into the kingdom of God before you. Why? Because in many cases, those that didn't want to receive Christ, that rejected the message, in the end are those that really came to recognize how unworthy they are of the mercy of God, of the goodness of God. And so they came in great humility and thankfulness before God, filled with great thankfulness for how much they've been forgiven. It says that those that love much are forgiven much 
And those that are forgiven much love the Lord more. Why? Because they recognize what they've been forgiven from and how great the mercy of God is towards them. So if God sheds upon them the same as you that is born the heat and the labor of the day, you should be filled with love and thankfulness that God has blessed them more than he's blessed you because you're still blessed. You don't become like the elder's son, putting merit as if you were the source of goodness. God alone is the source of all goodness. And he calls us to have a heart that is thankful in all things, even in trials and in tests. And right now I've been going through a trial and a test because I got shingles massively over a large area of my body, but without the itch and without the um, pain. Although there's still pain at night, but it's not the pain from the individual sores, it's more an overall pain because it drains you and you feel the ache of the healing that hasn't fully completed. But this I never expected. And it was really hard for me to understand how the Lord would allow me to experience this and have this happen to me when I've been seeking him in a life of between two and a half and three hours of prayer each day, loving on him, seeking to serve him. And this is what he does to me. Believe me, it was a trial. It was hard for me to accept. There was times when I was a bit unthankful and I was upset and angry that God allowed this. But I repented. And I recognized that I'm to commit my soul onto a creator, as onto a faithful creator, who is so creative that he knows what he's doing. This is the whole message that God, the Lord gave Job. He showed him his creativity in the whirlwind of the things that he created. You see, we need to recognize when God allows things like that to happen in our lives and we're his child, there's a creative purpose to bring us into a greater and a closer relationship with him. That doesn't mean that we accept these things as from God. It's God allowing the enemy to hit us with these things. But we can also believe him when we have an unconditional love to thank God in those things and to trust God in those things to believe that he will heal us because our heart is not unthankful. It is recognizing that God is good in the midst of our trial. I think of what the believers have gone through in China because I'm reading the book by Brother Young, the heavenly man, and what he went through and other believers how they were tortured for years beyond description. I mean, Brother Young, how did he even have the grace of God to go on a 74-day fast without food or liquid, which is impossible in the natural, and all that time be beat with batons and electrocuted so it felt like a thousand spears entering his heart and be thrown into sewage and have the men pee on him and all these the terrible thing, he was down to 66 pounds and was so weak they were gambling to see if he would die before the morning. And suddenly he gets up and in the power of God hits him and he preaches to these people with a powerful voice when he didn't even have a voice to speak and they get converted, this Muslim and all the other prisoners and they are in tears and they found Christ. 
And it just spreads throughout the whole prison. All kinds of prisoners get saved. And then God causes them to escape out of the prison miraculously and come to the West. It's just amazing. But I'll tell you, I don't want to go through what they went through. I hope I never have to. But if it was that God called us to go through such things and myself, he would give us the strength for whatever he's called us to go through. It's a matter of turning to him and recognizing his goodness and appropriating it in the midst of trials. And so we sung a song today on how God's love is so great. His goodness is so great that he poured out his life unto death for you, humbled himself more than you, a mere creature, suffered more than you, a mere creature, so that you could repent and be reconciled to God. And this should cause us to be praising God continually and recognizing the goodness of God even in his fallen creation as King David did in Psalm 104 there that we read. I mean, that's nothing compared to the place where there's no corruption in heaven. <laughs> it is so wonderful, this book I'm writing on this. I can't wait to get it done and get this wonderful message out so that many turn to Christ and come out of darkness into light from that book I'm writing on the evidence of life after death and all comparing it to others that aren't believers in what they experience and so on. God is calling the body of Christ today to rise up and never be what they once were because we're living an hour of great crisis this is the time to wake up gross darkness is covering the covering the earth and it says in isaiah 60 arise and shine for the glory of god has risen on you for gross darkness shall cover the earth and this is happening look at the covid crisis being used as an excuse when there's no real crisis to take away our freedoms and to bring in a tyrannical communist government around the world under these globalists like Klaus Schwab and the economic forum that Trudeau and Macron and many others are members of. And they talk openly of how they want to do this, take away all of our freedom, make us a bunch of slaves and reduce the world population from 7 billion down to 1 billion and possibly 500 million. They talk openly about this and using the vaccines to kill people, and yet people are taking these vaccines, and they're dying, and the morgues are filled, and the insurance companies have the statistics. Death rate's gone up 40% from normal in the insurance companies, the biggest ones. Never happened in the last 200 years, the highest it went when there was plagues, like the Spanish flu was 10%. It never happened during COVID. It happened once people started taking more than one vaccine. There are things you can take to greatly minimize the side effects of these terrible vaccines that will kill a lot of people in the next five years. Anyhow, there's good news. We can wake up. And I have written a book called God Hatcham and Body Invasion on how you can turn from just being another church 
to being the conquering, awakened bride church of Christ, to not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting your local assembly. I have all the suggestions in that book. You can get it on Amazon. It's God headship in body invasion. Oh, it goes into tongues. It goes into the seven ones of Ephesians. It goes into many things we can do to allow the fullness of the glory of God to dwell in our midst, as, and not only as a body, but as individuals. Wake up, church. It is time to become who God has called you to become in your city, in your community, so that the glory of God comes down like it did in the Welsh revival, except this time it is not going to be dissipated by division. There will be the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God so that it ever enlarges unto the return of Jesus Christ, who will stand on the Mount of Olives with ten thousands of his saints, and that Mount of Olives will split open. And as it says in Zechariah, I believe, chapter 12, and they shall look upon me. That's referring to God, whom they have pierced. That's the nation of Israel. When they as a nation, one third of them are birthed anew and find Christ at that time. And there's that great earthquake. And the cities of the nations fall. And wherever there's believers gathered together in community worshiping God, they're preserved from all that destruction of the earthquake around them. And so it says in Isaiah 24, they shall worship God in the midst of the fires. And then the glory of God fills the air with a brightness that when the wicked breathe it in, causes them to be consumed to ashes. And the kingdom of God, the invasion of the fifth dimension of heaven, invades this mere physical third dimension that is so inferior. Anyhow, I won't share more. I want you to wake up, church, and be who God's called you as an individual and corporately. Please support me. I'm in a lot of very, I'm in the most serious time in my life financially. I really need your support by purchasing the book. I'm just trusting God that somehow I'm going to get through this serious time. I've just got to just hanging by the thread until my next checks come in. I really need your help, please. I have a vision. I just want to see the body of Christ wake up and become the conquering bride church throughout the nation of Canada, throughout the nation of the United States to return to becoming his house of prayer and holiness. I'm calling for those that would want to run with this vision with me to support me and to unite with me that we would begin to come together and to be who God's called us to be in these last days. Thank you for listening to this message.